0: Combine your landlines, mobiles, and collaboration tools into one unified solution with Vodafone OneNet Business. Hello, I'm Brian Purcell, and this is the Ready Business Podcast, the show for startups and SMEs looking for some inspiration, insights, and some great advice. This week, we hear the inspiring story of the doctor, Johnny Walker, who, for a quarter of a century has combined his medical practice as a radiologist, along with the setting up of numerous very successful digital health companies. If you think you're busy, Johnny Walker's story would put most of us to shame and his latest venture is called Jenga Life, a digital health record database that has global ambitions for digitizing how we can all access our health data. This is Johnny Walker's future maker story. Johnny, uh I'll read a quote you gave before when describing your first on the field medical experience in the Australian Outback. and It said, the Royal Flying Doctor took off, leaving us in a swirling cloud of red dust under a magnificent blue sky. And all we had was this mouthful of warm beer from a can, but it tasted absolutely magnificent. That was nearly 25 years ago, I think. And and since then, you've gone from the Outback to Ireland and combined a medical practice with your multiple successful businesses.
1: How did you do it? Well, I don't know what was in that beer, Brian. I tell you that <laughs> it, it was a beautiful taste. That was way back. Gosh, you've done you've done your research there. Um, that was back in um, on the eleventh of the eleventh, nineteen ninety five Remembrance Day. Right. And um, and I just happened to um, somehow through circumstance find myself out there, um, quite literally in the middle of nowhere, about two hundred kilometres east of Fitzroy Crossing, um, doing ultrasounds, mobile ultrasounds on an Aboriginal. Um, population who were all mums and they were all pregnant. And um, a significant number of the Aboriginals get um, diabetes and uh, the diabetics hang on to their sugar and the sugar goes across the placenta. The little baby sucks up the uh, sugar and they become quite large. And so when mum goes to deliver the little baby, um, the bub often gets stuck. And then we end up losing um, both the baby and mum, sadly. And uh, in those days, and still to a large degree today, but less and less now, um, it was a really high cause of of, uh, death of... Of Aboriginal women of childbearing age, Good. and so we tried to stop that. And um, where did you fly out from? Where did you fly you, to? So we were in Fitzroy. So we, I was with Albie. Albie was the chap who uh, gave me half of a can of beer. He'd already had the one and a half. We only had two cans, and they were well, boiling You couldn't hot. be. You're the doctor. It was 48 degrees. In we did 48 patients in 48 degrees that wow. day, out of the back of the truck. Yeah. And uh, laying mum down on the back of the um. So the you had a scanner back. in the back of the jeep, like a We had truck. an older Loka 500 in the back of the um in the back of the truck of the old Toyota, and uh, we had a generator um, behind us on a trailer range, yeah. But Albie had put the, the bloody generator on the back of the wrong way and so it was punching all the diesel fumes straight back in at me while I was trying to scan mum on the back right. of the tray back and we had a hessian bag coming down over... Um, over myself and Mum, and uh, Mum was pure blood Aboriginal, so mum wouldn 't look at me and we also had a um, an elder in the clan um, so and always a, always a female and um, she would rarely look at me, yeah. but um, we, they would always be looking at the screen on the uh, on the ultrasound machine. And so it was, you know, it was just stinking hot and I stunk. I was absolutely rank that day. And you know how we put uh, jelly on the belly when we're scanning mum? Yeah. So we can put jelly on the belly for the acoustic coupling for the ultrasound so we can see all of the anatomy of the baby. Um, I didn't have to use any. There was just so much sweat coming off me. And mum, mum of course, doesn't sweat at all. They have this uh, this magnificent um, sort of dryness to their skin this, and this really earthy smell. It's, yeah. it's It was a really special day, uh, you know, a day certainly I won't remember and it was the pivotal day that set me on the course to where we've come today.
0: So in studying medicine, did you always have an eye on business and business ideas or did it just come about by chance?
1: Um, mate, I suppose ever since I've been little, I've always been a little bit sort of entrepreneurial. Um, like the first venture was skateboards and um, getting our old water skis and cutting them down and whacking some wheels on them and then Away. trying to sell the skateboards. Myself and a little guy called Paul Cherry Gator was his name. And we, so- we so- sold gator boards. And, uh, and where in Australia was this? So that was, we were originally in the Hunter Valley. So um, down in that, that Newcastle area, uh, north of um, Sydney. Right. And uh, my dad was a country GP, became the country surgeon. And, so we, uh, when skateboards came on, you know, I thought, God, there's an opportunity. And so we were able to, we were able to sell them like $6 each and we were making a huge profit. So that was <laughs> the first entrepreneurial <laughs> thing I ever did. And uh, we didn't lose money. We got into a bit of trouble, but, um, and then there were a few other little things, but I've always, um, I've always enjoyed, um, the creative side yeah. of, uh, solutions. Um, the commercial side, look, you know i've never been classically trained in business you know i'm deeply classically trained in medicine but um i just think uh there's there's so much to do and if you can bring some business skills to your domain knowledge within medicine then there's a real opportunity for us to disrupt it for the better i thought what if we can tap into the technology that i know exists because i've seen it and use it at the hammersmith I haven't got the 56 million quid but could we potentially just make a little system that just worked on what we had? And I didn't know anything about technology, I didn't know anything about comms. And then, you know, I learned about the 3K telephone line, the old copper wire. So I knew that we had a copper wire, which just connected the regional centers, right. not the really remote areas. There was nothing out there, just nothing. And other than the big old clunky set phones, which were in themselves miracles of the time, yeah. um, they, you know, we couldn't uh, use those. And so I thought, what can we build on a 3K copper wire? And so I took a little video of myself reporting a pile of 50 films in front of the old viewing box with an old magnifying glass and a, an old dictaphone and, mm-hmm. and filmed the typist typing up the report and that sort of thing. Every step of the process of what I call that circle of success. And then I put that into a video. And then I sent that out um, and I uh, put an ad into all of the capital pay, capital cities in Australia and up into Asia and over into Palo Alto. Um, uh, in for expressions of interest into data transfer. Okay. And I got uh, inundated with um, sort of uh, geophysical data transferers, banking, um, finance guys, but no one in healthcare. And uh, I got um, two really young brave guys in Wollongong on the other side of the country to me at the time um, who said, yeah, look, we'll have a pop at this. And I said, okay, well, we've got to do it. Everything you see me do on the video, we've got to do digitally and electronically. And we've got to do it faster and better and safer and more efficiently. And the other thing is, I can't pay you. And that was on, um, that was on that the, was some trial, that was some trial that was Christmas Eve, I, I settled on them on, um, 1995 and then right. on the 4th of January, 1996, some 10 days later, we went live with our first, um, digital transfer of a digital ultrasound image from a little town called Busselton in the beautiful Southwest corner of Western Australia, the wine growing area, um, up to Bunbury, 52 kilometers away on the three K phone line over a modem and it worked. Yeah, now you could hardly see the placenta, you could hardly see the baby, but <laughs> it worked. And now as it turns out, Brian, it was absolutely illegal. But it, I didn't know about that at the time. Yeah. And, and so we it on. So this was the start of the global start. diagnostics? That was the start of a little practice called Imaging the South. And mm-hmm. um, so what did we do? We did imaging where where we were down south in the beautiful Margaret River and surfing area of Western Australia. And I thought I'll pick a part of the world that I love. And um, I was hoping to meet a really lovely, um, uh, lovely lady down there who could surf and, then, and I'd be, you know, in bliss forever. Um, So we started down there with Imaging the South and then Imaging the South. Um, Along came uh, ISDN, so the 56K. Along came the 128K and then um, the brakes were off. And then along came this thing called the web and that's when the real opportunity to globalise came and uh, i just put in an mri scanner the first mri scanner outside of any capital city in australia we'd put it into bunbury in its beautiful co-location hospital and then the big boys opened up opposite on a 9 to 5 clinic and took sort of 20% of your staff because yeah. they didn't have to work on call and all the complexity of the cases we were dealing with in the hospital and so really really we were on the ropes it was it was white knuckle all over stuff and uh um, and I thought, well, what have I got that I can beat them with? And the only thing I really had was the way that we'd use this simple technology and this fantastic virtual. Network that we'd built of specialists around the clock around the world. Okay. So I could send. I would ring quite boldly, I suppose. In retrospect, the best of the best. So the people who'd written the journal article on on um, you know primary lesion of lung cancer or the multiple liver metastases or sure. you know, whatever it might be. I would reach out to them, and along came email. So I was able to connect them. And so over the over the course of about eighteen months, two years, I built this quite terrific, um, stellar team of a virtual network. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to get pushed into the sea could I maybe build a virtual practice on the back of the technology? And therefore, we actually had no geographical boundaries Mm. and we would be able to deliver this service around the clock around the world. And that's where Global Diagnostics was born. And so I went to my team and I said, guys, we're in trouble, but but we're going to fight. And I think one of the ways we can fight is um, if we leverage just what we've done. And I know a lot of my buddies who were coming out and doing locums from my Cambridge days and... and, um, Hammersmith days, coming out and doing Logan said, Johnny, you should take this to the UK, we're yeah. gagging for this. And so um, I did, I got, they invited me over and I um, just had a session with them there and showed them, I said, look guys, I can't, I'm so busy in Australia, but look, I'll help you set up here. And they said, no, we wouldn't, have it. We wouldn't even know where to start. And so I ended up building it over there and then launching, uh, we actually launched in Oxford and um, we grew global diagnostics from Australia into, um, uh, into England Again, using very simple mobile technology. It was a little bit more sophisticated. It was mobile MRI. The big pain point. When you
0: get more tech adept,
1: well, I was, you know, mate, I still can't code. I don't know the yeah, difference yeah. between a one and a zero. But, um, but it, 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 the only bite I got was Jesus in the back of the truck at about midnight. That was about the only bites I was getting in terms of food and everything else. I couldn't code. I would, it's my great, my great Achilles. I think if I could take what's in my head and code it, mate, we would have done this a lot. Sooner and a yeah, lot but like and you're and a, a medic though, you're, you're, you're not a techie. Uh, yeah, you but, know, so yeah, there's I, people that do that. But I live in tech all day long, you yeah. know? I'm an interventional radiologist, so I operate under X-ray and ultrasound guidance and what have you. But listen, I had no money and so I started with... Um, I knew in Australia we needed mobile ultrasound, so that's what we started with. Now, the boys in England were just saying to me, Johnny, look, the big thing here. Is there's two to three, wait for an MRI for a, a knee or a bad back. Yeah. You don't die of a bad back or a bad knee. So the MRI is a very um, scarce resources in the NHS at this time, which was about 2002, was around stroke, around cancer, around kiddies and, and rightfully so. But the um, musculoskeletal ailments were being left at, to the bottom of the, um, yeah. the waiting list. And so the orthopedic surgeons couldn't operate until they had the MRI and so it was a real knock-on effect and I thought, well, OK, that's a pain point, if we can go and fix that pain point, um, maybe we could open up the system and get people back to work faster with their backs, et cetera. Um, Okay, I'll set up a um, a, a service just like I have in um, Australia but we'll concentrate purely on just one beachhead, and that will be MRI scans for musculoskeletal ailments, whether it's the shoulder, the back, the the cervical spine, the wrist, the knee, the ankle, et cetera. And that's what we did. And so I Googled um, health and fitness, wellness, unwellness, all these sort of things. Google was with us at that stage, thank God. And I came up with um, Canon's Health, um, Virgin Health, uh, Virgin Active, and um, various other things. And one of them was a group called a Sporter, which had 56 um, five-star health and fitness um, uh, clinic, uh, not clinics, but uh, um, buildings and uh, yeah. uh, gymnasiums around um, England, all over England. And they had another 13 in Spain. And what they were, they were just these stunningly beautiful buildings, wonderful access off motorways, three phase power, uh, real aspirational staff. They had gorgeous tea rooms, they had swimming pool, yeah. the gym and everything else. And they were health and fitness. They were doing a, um, a bit for fitness. They weren't really doing much for health. And so I wrote um, emailed every single one of them that afternoon, the CEOs of those companies, and one of the guys, Dave Standing from sporter agreed to meet me the next day for 20 minutes and that turned into four hours. And I said, Dave, if I can come bring a mobile MRI scanner, and yeah. at that stage they were available by a third-party contractor, if I can bring in a so mobile... So you just rent them in? Rent them in for the day. And if I can rent them in, can I park them up over there? I need three-phase power, I haven't got any staff, so can I borrow some of your staff from the front desk? Can our patients sit in your beautiful um, yeah. reception area? Can their friend who brings them have a coffee and a muffin? and um, and maybe even go for a swim in the pool. And, uh, and he said, geez, Johnny, yeah, why don't we do that? And I said, no, I'll go on a rev share split with you. Shared pain, shared gain. We'll get in the trenches together. And if we get to break, Kevin, and there's no guarantee we will. But if we do, we'll share the upside on that. And he goes, mm, yeah, we'll do it. We did it on a handshake. And uh, literally 10 days later, we did our first scan in Os- Oxford at a sporter. And um, away we went. And that and grew. That grew in global diagnostics. Wow. Yeah. And so we very rapidly became the biggest um, franchise for Esporter yeah. because my patients were buying co- coffees. Uh, just over 3% of my patients joined a Sporter and got took gymnasium membership and we did the rev share. So I, I built it without any cash flow and uh, built it without any debt. And so um, that's what we were able to do and we just grew Global Diagnostics into what it is today now which is, has you know many, many centres across the United Kingdom but well, you
0: grew it so well that you were able to get out of it at, once at, at a certain stage, weren't you? Yeah,
1: so we were invited across to um, Ireland, and I'd always loved Ireland. Yeah. And, um, and Ireland at that stage where you had a very unusual percentage of private health insurance. You had 52% of the country That's private right, insurance, which yeah. I couldn't work so out. So what
0: year are you talking about then?
1: I was invited across um, Mary Harney, your prior um, yeah. health minister, who was in my... She was really quite visionary. And, uh, but you, I think you, you loved us so much, you stayed here. Loved it so much we stayed here. There you go. Although, if you look out there at the weather now. I know. <laughs> yeah, you, I know. You're going 48 degrees to this. No, <laughs> 36 degrees this morning. God love it. But, um, no, yeah, I did. I, I, Ireland's been wonderful, absolutely wonderful to me, Brian. I've been embraced by, uh, yeah. you know, so but, many people.
0: So you stayed anyway, but you had other ideas you wanted to develop. And, um, yeah. you, you're, 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 uh, and you've also set up a fund to invest and mentor in, mentoring, Irish med tech startup.
1: So I stepped Stepped out of global, yeah. let the team, pour petrol on the team uh, to go forward and then I took a breath and um, took some money off the table and uh, then I just did a deep dive because the real drive for me now was to actually stop patients coming into hospital in the first place. Right. Try and look after them in the community and within the community, within the home and within the home the real basis of the thesis, Brian, is in my, um, my experience and the vital observation to this is that the chief curator and custodian of care in the family is the female. Um, if I'm operating on the elderly mum and dad and I go out into the operating room, um, who steps up? It's the daughter. Yeah. If I'm operating on the um, the wife, it's often her sister and mom, or mum, quite often the, the husband. If it's the children, it's universally mum, yeah. plus or minus dad. And so um, it is the female and uh, we call her the Jinga after the African warrior queen. And so what that's, I wanted to and build... That's yeah, okay. And that's J-I-N-G-A. Yeah, uh, Jinga. And we call it uh, the new um, the new project, is Jinga Life, and that's all about empowering the chief custodian of care in the family, the Jinga. And um, we do that through a very very simple method of democratising access to the basic understanding of the health and wellness of her family. The problems the Gingas have is that they've now got they're sandwiched in this. Um, they've got the young kids, plus they've got their elderly parents now. Uh, and the Jinger needs, he kn- she knows that dad has to be at Talla at 4.30 on Tuesday afternoon, but can't remember what for. And he's got his, have his endocrinology managed at James. His heart's been done at Vinnie's. He might've had his hip done at um, Santry. Where does he need to be? seeing who, what for. So she just really wanted basic um, appointment scheduling and access to it. You're all in the, everything together. All in, the, in her hand. So we built a cloud-based system, um, which is medical grade linked to a um, cloud-based platform with a companion app, which allows her to have complete visibility over appointments. The next thing she wanted, was medications, knowing what dad was on, knowing what mum was on, when they had to take it, were they taking it, was there any conflict of yeah. the, and of the uh, medications. And the third thing was allergies, particularly around the kids and immunization. So, And, and, and can the, the medical community
0: access this as well?
1: Uh, oh, yeah. So the big thing then is um, at this stage, the Jenga populates that in as a pretty well just as a repository. It's a mobile cloud-based family electronic health record. Okay. Um, and she can populate that with all of the medical grade um, uh, portals that we, we need to populate. Now, we need now to connect through to the hospitals and connect through to the GP practice management systems and we're in dialogue and discussions with uh, all of the major players. There's, there's no to do that.
0: central record base that a so doctor can exactly. go in and just say for, for myself that they can't go in and they say, Look, uh, he's done, a, he's had a job done on his knees, had a job done on a hip, a bit of a crock. Uh, but and he's had this, and he's had this, and he's been on this medication, so that that's not available to any one doctor, in, is it? In one place, in one place, at one time and at the right time. Okay, no, it's not. And so, and what
1: we want to do. I, I'm a great believer yeah. in that um, That it's not our data, it's not... You know, when that patient comes in, the screens are facing us, they're on the other side of the table. Sure. I want to democratize access um, for this phenomenal resource we have in the ecosystem, but none of us recognize her. None of us actually really respect her in terms of building her into the way we care for her, our, our, our people yeah. um, because she loves the patient far more than we do yeah. and we, we really care for them but she loves them and she will fight the corner for them till the day that she yeah. dies or they die and she will fight like no other so what we want to do is empower her really embrace her yeah. learn from her what are her needs what are her pain points and how can she come in and help us to look after her mum and dad sure. or children better safer more effectively and ideally now with wearables and biometrics and low-energy Bluetooth devices, we can do that from the home. Connect everything. We can have virtual consultations, we can have um, wearables and biometrics making sure that um, the exercise is being done yeah. with um, people like TickerFit, with Avril Copeland, what, what Avril's doing, um, all sorts of yeah. um, initiatives out there that we can bring together in one place.
0: But it seems to me all things health and medical allied to tech is, is there a revolution going to happen? Are, mm-hmm. we, are we in the cusp of a, this new yeah. wave of yeah. major advancements?
1: Yeah, I think we're right on the brink, although I've been saying that for a few years. Bernie. Look, it's slow, mate. It's a slow, slow burn in healthcare. But, but I just probably the money's think gone elsewhere. Now it's time to put the money into it. Yeah, and in a different way. Not, right. don't be putting the same old sorry new money into old ways. Just don't do that because we know that the current system is bent and buckled. We know that the hospital system is just not engineered for the way we think and we we behave now. Yeah. And we cannot cannot um, continue to deliver healthcare the way we have for the last thirty, forty, fifty, hundred years. We've got to embrace this technology. And I just don't think that there's been a more compelling time for a consumer disruption yeah. in healthcare. And I think, and I deeply believe, and you probably think I'm on drugs at this stage, but I deeply believe that this will be a Jenga-driven tsunami of uh, consumer disruption. Yeah. They want They need pathfinders, don't they? Yeah, but they want everything. They want access in the palm of their hands, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Open Table, whether it's getting Tesco um, to deliver. They, they'll buy their their their, um, yeah. their clothes, whatever else, uh, their sporting results. They want it on um, on the handheld and they live in a social world now with um, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, etc. So what we wanted to do was build a system that allowed them to have access um, by st- but, and still living in this new world of theirs um, using simple, smart mobile technologies but built around them for them and let them start to redesign the way yeah. we care for people.
0: Let's not forget yeah. amidst all but of this, you still have a medical practice two to three times a week.
1: Oh, no, well, I've cut back. So I was six days a week and I've cut that. When I exited global, I knew that I'd have to spend real quality on... unfettered time on Jenga and so I went back to three long days a week yeah um, it's so actually Monday. your medical practice yeah, yeah. so I operate um, Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays long days Yeah, and I'm an interventional radiologist so we operate under x-ray ultrasound CT guidance with a great crew and some stunning equipment out there brand new Siemens gear and, um, and then uh, I'm also a nuclear physician so I've got the sort of right. the, the dual degrees and so um, I do long days out there and then on the Wednesdays and Fridays I absolutely ring fence for my team and I build a fantastic young team that have brought a terrific skill mix um, to the table and now um, I've been able to grow a, um, a CIO into a, into a deputy CEO and after the Web Summit promoted her to deputy CEO and now um, just before we went down to Las Vegas last week to the, the big uh, technology conference down there um, made her CEO and so um, I've been able to step fantastic. to the executive chairman role which I've always wanted to be. I wanted yeah. to work on the business, not in the business and um, really just pour petrol on this fantastic team that we have.
0: Yeah, and you leave experts do their thing and you stick to your
1: specialities. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Claire, who's now our CEO, she wrote the uh, Irish Unique Health Identifier. She's been in my um, health informatics masterclass there four years ago and I've just watched her grow and uh, she's just perfect. And, and now Rachel has just um, has been running the Hermitage for the last uh, five years, ran the London Clinic in Harley Street for seven years. She's um, just joined uh, this morning.
0: She, she must see a good
1: thing, Johnny. There you go.
0: Johnny, before we leave, uh, we, ha- we ask everybody who, who joins us on the Radio Business Podcast for um, three tips three pieces of inspiration that you would give to our listeners out there who are out there trying to make a go of things?
1: Uh, number one, I'd I, I, I would say keep the fire in your belly, okay? Uh, it's, it's just a tough, tough road. Uh, number two, is this a real business? Is this a real, genuine, tangible, measurable problem that you have a very simple solution to fix? And is that solution monetizable and is it scalable? And then the last one... Um, is um, try not to do it on your own. It's just so bloody hard to do on your own, Brian. And if you can buddy up early, and that's a tough one because you've got to find the right buddy. Um, if you can buddy up early, it's just so much um, more fun, I think, uh, going at it as a team and then build, build terrific people around you and pour petrol on them every chance you get, knowing that they're going to crash and burn at times, but that's okay. Uh, have the fire extinguisher there as well. But pour petrol on them as much as you can.
0: Dr. Johnny Walker, a real pleasure to have you here with us today. Cheers, Brian. Thanks for having me, Champion. Bye-bye, mate. That's it for this week's episode of the Ready Business Podcast. And my thanks to Johnny Walker of Jingle Life for joining me on the show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and join me next time as we discover more inspiring future maker stories. Simplify how you work with cloud-based unified communications. Vodafone One Net Business.